Hi, welcome to the second episode of the Cleaning Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wolford, and I am so excited that you've tuned in today. We're going to talk today about uh, what I call pillars. There are four pillars that I like to think of in terms of a cleaning business. And by cleaning business, it doesn't mean if it's just you solo for the rest of your life or you solo transition to a company, to a boss of 50 people running a multi-million dollar company, these four pillars will help you regardless. So the pillars are legitimacy. So what makes you a legitimate business? Uh, The second pillar is trust. What makes you a trustworthy business, especially if solo, that's super important, trust. The third pillar is quality. And what do we mean by a quality cleaning for our clients? And the fourth pillar is consistency. Just as important as quality is, probably being consistent is almost even more so. Um, We will, uh, over the next few episodes, get into these four pillars. But this first one I want to talk about is legitimacy. The reason why I started this podcast is because I have a successful cleaning business and I did start from scratch with no industry experience, no industry knowledge. I, like a lot of people, I needed a job and for a variety of reasons, I couldn't find one. And so I decided to make my own and I decided to make that cleaning. When I jumped in and uh, just started all by myself. It was wonderful. I, even though I didn't really like to clean my own house, turns out I actually like to clean other people's houses. So I really ended up enjoying it and doing a good job. And people just loved the job I did. And I expanded almost right away. After about 12 weeks in the business, I had a full schedule and I had to decide to start telling people no or hire somebody and expand and I decided to try the hiring and here we are today um, almost four years later and I have eight full-time cleaners I've got a full-time office manager I don't clean much anymore I'm kind of the backup and just the extra body and I get to direct this big ship and where we're going and I'm also sharing myself with you especially new cleaners or new, maybe not new to cleaning, but new to being a business owner. Um, there, I do have a Facebook group. It's called Professional House Cleaner Support, colon, Marketing and Other Pitfalls. There are a bunch of different house cleaning support groups on Facebook, and I have learned so many good things from some some of them, and I have learned which ones are really not full of professional house cleaners. So, Anyway, check us out on Facebook, and you can also check out the website, my website, which is cleaningup.co, like .company, cleaningupaltogether.co. All right, so today's topic, again, is the first pillar, which is legitimacy. What exactly is legitimacy? Legitimacy is basically something that's the real deal and it's legal it's according to the law that means legitimate runs something that runs in accordance with recognized and accepted standards and principles so a legitimate uh sometimes we hear the term a legitimate government versus an illegitimate government 
um, a legitimate business versus an illegitimate business? What does it exactly mean? So let's take a look at what exactly illegitimate cleaners, it's kind of a long <laughs> term, but what illegitimate, what the opposite of a legitimate business is and why they're bad news. Um, really the number one, well, I shouldn't say number one, this is probably a tie with clients, but the one of the first reasons why an illegitimate cleaner or business, cleaning business is bad news is because it undercuts legal businesses. And again, it doesn't matter if you're solo or a company of 50, we're all le trying to be legal businesses. What exactly is a legal business? Um, we'll get into that in just a second. So that's, that's one of the, the reasons why they're bad news. Um, another reason why an illegitimate cleaner or company is bad news is because it places clients' belongings and their finances into jeopardy. Because what if they drop a vase? They probably don't have, not always, but they probably don't have liability insurance to cover that. Uh, what if they twist their ankle while they're cleaning somebody's home? Um, they could decide to sue that person. And if they sue that person and it comes out in court that that person was paying them at least $150 a month or $1,800 a year, well, really $1,800 a year is the benchmark for the IRS. If that homeowner was not paying employer taxes, they're in trouble. Uh, with the IRS, that's just, it's huge, it's huge, it's huge. So illegitimate cleaners place clients' belongings, place their finances into great jeopardy with damage, injury, tax, legal, IRS. It's just a problem. One of the other reasons why they're bad news is, to put it bluntly, it's illegal. Um, I'm not talking about one girlfriend cleaning for another girlfriend once or twice a month for just a little bit of extra spending money. I'm talking about somebody who does it regularly for the purpose of work and paying your bills. That's a legal business. Um, and so to not claim your income, it's to not report it. It's illegal. It's just illegal. Right or wrong, whether you agree or not, whether you think it's fair or not, it is what it is. It is illegal. Uh, one of the last things, and this is a little bit dicey, and this is not always true. Let me preface. This is absolutely not always true. But many times, if someone is unethical in their own business and how they, how they run their own business, that is an indication that it may lead to other unethical behavior. Um, and I had a really, really crazy thing happen to me a number of years ago. And I'll, I'll tell you about that at the end of the podcast. Um, and it's just a great example of, uh, of what can happen when you've got unethical people crawling around inside your house, really. All right. So here's what it means to be a legitimate cleaning business. And again, cleaning business, solo, boss of 50, doesn't matter. All right, so one of the first things that you can do to make yourself legitimate in a cleaning business is that you can register or license, usually it isn't really a license, but it's more of a registration with your state and possibly your county, possibly your city as a business entity. You are 
letting them know, hey, I exist, expect income from me, expect economic um, development from me, and I'm official. Versus if you don't register, it kind of appears to be like you're a fly-by-night operation. People who have their houses cleaned have you into their most intimate areas. You are near their bathroom. You're near their jewelry. You're near their children, their dogs, their pet, you know, everything. Um, their, their precious Hummel figurine collection. <laughs> you know, they have us near all of these things that are just near and dear to them. It is a very high honor to be able to care for those things as if they were your own. So when you are registered, you are saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm official. I'm out in the light. I'm not in the dark. I'm not going anywhere. This isn't fly by night. I'm not, you know, doing cleaning one day and cleaning carpets next day and babysitting your kids the next day and stealing your stuff the next day. It really is the first thing that you can do. It's usually pretty inexpensive. Different states are, are different amounts. In Ohio, for me to register my business, I think it was maybe $50 for a five-year registration. So great. That was fine. Um, what else it means to be legitimate is to claim this income on your taxes. And there are a number of reasons why a lot of people might think, oh, I don't want to claim my income. I don't want to claim my income. It's not good. The government will take it all, all these things. Um, and again, I'm not talking about the people who might have just one or two friends where, you know, one friend you go over once a month and you spend a couple hours in her house and another friend you might go over once or twice a month and you might make 150 bucks between those two friends. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we make this an income, even part-time, but it for the purpose of paying our bills, we need to claim it on our taxes. A, it's le the legal thing to do. B, it actually benefits us later on. Um, when you are self-employed, whether you're a sole provider like myself or you're just adding to the household income, when you claim your income, that is then income that can be used for all kinds of good things like qualifying to buy a house or a car or a credit card or anything like that. If you don't claim your income, why would a bank loan you money to do anything? If they look at your taxes and they say, well, you made $3,000 last year. How can you afford this house? You can't afford this house. You can't say, oh, well, I clean houses on the side and um, you're just going to have to trust me that I make plenty of money. No, we don't trust you. They want to see it on paper. So it is super duper important that you have that income. It will benefit you to have that income on paper and to claim it. One of the second reasons why it's a good thing to claim your income, and this is a little bit less... Um, tangible depending on how old you are but when you do claim your income you pay social security on your income as an employer you uh, i'm sorry as a self self-employed and eventually i promise one day you are going to want to retire it's out there it might be 30 years from now but it is out there and when you 
report income and you pay into the social security system, you are contributing towards your retirement. Um, it's not a huge contribution. Maybe it shouldn't be, well, it definitely shouldn't be your only contribution. That's a whole other discussion, but it is a contribution towards your retirement. So it does help long-term. All right, let's see. The third thing in what it means to be legitimate is if you have employees, you need to have workers' comp insurance. There are, um, if you don't have workers' comp insurance, the client is open to potentially fraudulent in injury claims. Um, now, another discussion that we'll have later on in another podcast is employee versus independent contractor. And that is a whole ball of wax that we will unfurl another day, another time. But for right now, what I'm talking about are employees. And there are some states, I think Texas actually technically does not require workers comp, but I would think that it is not that expensive that you shouldn't have it. It helps you be legitimate. If someone is looking at two different cleaning companies and the one says, hey, we protect your stuff, we have liability insurance, we also protect your finances because we have workers' comp. Should any of our workers be injured or something happen, we've got it covered. Versus another company that says, yeah, I don't, I don't have workers' comp. I mean, people twist ankles super easy on wet floors. It's just, it's crazy. So you really need to have workers' comp also for your employees because it's not fair to have them bear the brunt of the risk of getting injured at work and not being covered. It's just not fair. Uh, if you live in California, employees and workers comp is a crazy, crazy deal. And that is, again, that's, that's going to belong in that whole other ball of wax conversation that we'll have down the road. All right. So the fourth, uh, I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, five. The fifth thing that we have that um, will help you be legitimate is that you have all your own supplies and your equipment. It's, it's depending on how you phrase it, it can be and it can seem unprofessional to use your client's supplies. Now, um, for, uh, for me and my, cl my cleaning company, Clean House Cincinnati, we, I provide all of my cleaners with a mop, mop heads, cleaning cloths, uh, a vacuum. We use a shark duo stick vacuum. I love it. Um, you know, and all of our cleaning supplies, all of our tools, just everything. And they're ready to go. They also clean out their vacuums every day so that they're ready to go. They clean out the filters and all that good stuff. Um, some of our clients prefer that we use their vacuums. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Some uh, one, one of the only things we don't do, for example, uh, in my company is we just use a Swiffer duster because some people don't want any kind of product like Pledge or whatever sprayed onto their furniture. And so we just, in doubt, I would rather use nothing. So we use Swiffer dusters. Actually, I made I made replacement Swiffer dusters because I was tired of giving P&G all my money. So anyway, so if they want, if they want Pledge or if they want whatever kind of, you know, from bees lemon oil polish if they want that that's fine we just ask that they provide it because that's such a particular uh you know um client-based 
preference. So we ask that they do that. Um, some companies, some cleaning companies do require that the homeowners, the clients provide a vacuum. And I can understand the pros to that. It makes sure that there's not any kind of a transfer of pet hair or any kind of allergens. There might be so many people that have all kinds of crazy allergens. Um, it's familiar with them. There's zero bed bug issues here in Cincinnati. We, um, it's gotten so much better, but we do have a little bit of a bed bug issue that we have to be aware of. So some people prefer that. The problem then becomes, what if you arrive someplace and they don't have a vacuum or their vacuum is broken or they assumed you were bringing your vacuum or it's a move out clean and the person has moved out. So there are all kinds of reasons to at the very least have a few backup vacuums just in case your clients is not available or there isn't one. So, um, having a standard method for approaching your cleaning projects. This also helps you stand out and be legitimate. So what do I mean by a standard method? Uh, it means basically approaching each house the same way and doing the same tasks in every house. There might be some houses that want you to go above and beyond. So for example, my company, we typically dust the entire house, we clean the bathrooms, we clean the kitchen, we might pick up a little bit, but we don't necessarily rearrange or pick up or declutter or anything like that. Um, you know, we wipe off the table, the kitchen table, the dining room table, countertops, all that good stuff. And then we finish up by vacuuming and mopping as appropriate the floors. And then we do the front and the back doors, any glass on the front and back doors. So, um, for example, doing windows is not something we do every time, but we can. Uh, changing the bed sheets is not something that's in our standard, uh, our standard list, but we could. If somebody wants to have us change the bed sheets, we just ask that they leave the clean ones out in the corner and then we change the bed. Not a problem. We charge, uh, the way that we do our charges is we charge by the hour. And the nice thing about that is it is super crazy easy for our clients to know what their bill is going to be. If they want us to do a spring cleaning, we can say, well, it'll probably take about an extra five hours to get all this list of things you need done. Here's the rate. Here's how much it'll cost. It, it could be as much as five and a half or six. It could be a little bit less than five, but here's our ballpark. And they know there's not a guessing game. There's not um, a fixed rate for inside ovens because one person's oven, like my mother's oven, when she said it was dirty, I looked at it and my eyes were so far in the back of my head. It was crazy because her version of dirty oven is nothing like a college kid's version of a dirty oven. So to charge a flat rate for a variable situation doesn't make sense to me. To some people it does. To some people they might think, well, I'll just charge whatever, $35. And I figure in the end, some ovens are easy, some ovens are hard, and we'll go with it. That's a risk. It's a risk when you charge a fixed fee for a variable situation. But again, that's gonna be a whole other topic on another podcast. All right, so 
in general, though, having a good standard method, a standard way of approaching your cleaning projects, whether it's a maintenance clean, a move out clean, a post-construction clean, having a standard method helps you be more professional and legitimate. In the end, really all of these things, so being registered, um, claiming your income on your taxes, having liability insurance, if you have employees, having workman's comp, having your own supplies and equipment, and having a standard method. In the end, all of these things mean that you care about your clients in their entirety, not just their cleaning. So you care about their finances, you care about their safety, you care about their home, you care about their jewelry, you care about their trust, you care about your clients. And I'll tell you what, when we care about people and that comes through, that is one of the best word of mouth triggers, one of the best word of mouth things that they can say to their friends as to why do you like your cleaning so much? They might say, I just don't know. I'm just telling you, they really care. They really, they really give a shit. So one of the things that I wanted to share with you, one of the stories that I uh, mentioned earlier is about, I'm going to say 16 or 17 years ago. So this is like 19, or no, I'm sorry, 19. It was like 2001 or 2000. I think it was 2000. Um, my then husband and I were having new carpet put in and we bought it at Home Depot and they contracted out and had it installed by independent contractors. So these guys came and it was like, uh, the boss man, the manager man, the big fat guy. And <laughs> there were three or four skinny guys who they were just, it was really funny to you see him yell him talk and make them run around and do all the work and he just kind of stood and watched I thought well that's that's a okay that's a lazy boss right there not getting in there <clears throat> um so anyway they did a pretty good job they did fine they were in the house at one point um in the middle of the carpet installation they went out to their trucks I was home for it and they went out to their truck to I, I don't know get something or I don't know what but all of them went out there and they were, I don't know what they were doing, but they were out there for 10 or 15 minutes. So this was in 2000. And while computers were around, they weren't necessarily what they are now. And while cell phones were around, they weren't what they are now. They weren't smart. So like most people in America, I had a calendar in our kitchen. And it just had our availability or, you know, what we were doing, um, whatever. And... Um, we had dogs at the time and they were in the basement and they kind of would bark because they wanted to come out and say hello to the people, but obviously they would get in the way. So when they came to install the carpet, they said, oh, you've got dogs. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, don't worry. They're in the, they're in the basement. It's fine. It, they're okay. They're, they're safe. You know, you're safe. Everybody's safe. They're in the basement locked up. And they were like, okay, great. Um, about, I don't, sometime within a month or so, after having the carpet put in our house was broken into and the window that they chose was on the back of the house we had a deck and in our master bathroom there was a small sliding glass window it was probably two feet wide by I don't know 15 or 18 inches tall not very big and they broke in there and climbed in and then came in through the back and uh 
stole our TV and VCR and stereo. Or no, I don't think they stole the TV because it was huge and heavy. But they stole our everything else. They stole my husband's work laptop. They stole his work cell phone. They um, just they just took all kinds of stuff. Uh, camera, anyway. And then I did notice that on my husband on the desk had been our checkbook like he had he had had it out because he was writing bills or something and they didn't take it and i thought well that's weird and for some reason i thought hmm so i opened up a drawer and i took out our box of checks and i noticed that they had taken a book of checks from the middle of the stack hoping we wouldn't notice hoping we'd leave the account open obviously i did not so, uh, so that's one lesson learned, but so we, we noticed that they took my jewelry, um, which I had probably two pieces of decent jewelry and the rest was costume junk. So they really didn't get anything, um, other than the, the other, the computers and stuff like that. So we called the police and it was probably 1231 o'clock in the morning because we had been out all evening. We had gone up to Wilmington, which is about 45 minutes away. We left at six and we were home by midnight or so. And um, the police officer said, you were broken in in the evening. He said, I am telling you, random thieves, random burglars do not break in in the evening. And we said, really, why? And he said, <coughs> excuse me. He said, they don't know if you are going out for dinner. They don't know if you're going out for the whole evening. They don't know if you're going out for a five minute errand. They don't know why you're going out and they don't know when you'll be back and they do not want to fool with you. They want your stuff. They want your TV. They want your computer. They do not want to fool with you. He said most of the time burglars come at noon in the middle of the day when they know you've been away at work and you're not coming home for four or five, six hours. They want a big chunk of time when they know you're gone and in the middle of a Friday evening is not it. So basically, the police officer rather smartly figured out that this person somehow knew us or at least knew our schedule. And I think he's right. It took me years to think and to really look back on this whole experience. And then I thought, I think it's those carpet guys. Because in our kitchen was our calendar. And right on the calendar, it said... Six to midnight, Wilmington, Ohio. Six to mid, you know, Friday and Saturday or whatever it was. I think we were going up there to play in a, um, play in a musical. Actually, we uh, instrumentalists. So we were gone the whole evening. They knew we'd be gone the whole evening. They also knew the dogs would be downstairs and out of the way. And they had a somewhat layout of our house because they had been in it. So long story short, um, and this isn't to put all under the table cleaners under the bus. This isn't to put all illegitimate cleaners under the bus, but there are people out there that will do things like say they clean houses in order to gain access to the layout of your home, the schedule of your family, who who goes where, when, when's the dog there? Is the dog safe? Is the dog biter? Do they have kids? What's the schedule? Are they going out of town? I mean, there are all kinds of 
really bad reasons that somebody might want to gain access to your home. And thieves are getting smarter at posing. And homeowners, thank goodness, are getting smarter at realizing I need a legitimate cleaning company or I need a legitimate solo professional cleaner in my home. It's just too risky to do otherwise. So to wrap up, this has been a really good discussion about the first pillar to becoming a professional cleaner. So legitimacy, trust, quality, and consistency. Those are the four pillars. And today we talked about legitimacy. If you have any questions, please feel free to send us a message through our website, which is cleaningup.co. And you can also, again, you can visit us in our Facebook group, which is Professional House Cleaner Support, Marketing and Other Pitfalls. That's our house uh, cleaning support group on Facebook, which is just a super place to get all kinds of good behind the scenes, industry tips and tricks, everything from how do I get soap scum off the shower door to how do I fire this cleaner or how do I train this cleaner or what kinds of marketing do you do or where do you find your new clients? Um, all kinds of good stuff in there. All right. So I hope everybody had a great time and tune in next time. Thank you so much. Take care. Mm-hmm.